Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, which really is the culmination of the Easter season. Now, it's important for us to really understand and maybe even clear up some misconception about this feast. The feast of the ascension is not the fact that Jesus literally was taken up into heaven as some sort of spaceman, you know, racing through time and space, you know, on some planet. No. Instead, what Jesus undergoes in his ascension into heaven is he now enters into another dimension, a dimension of God's own being, God's own essence. Jesus essentially passes out of the dimension that we are living in in this world, the dimension in which space and time governs us. And instead now he enters into the dimension of God's way of being. And see, that's what's so important for us to know and to understand. The other thing that we can take from this feast is that this is a great feast for us all. Why? Because Jesus takes our human nature into heaven where it never existed before. Now our human nature through Jesus Christ, fully divine and fully human, he now elevates our human nature so that now we have the bright promise that we too will participate in that dimension of God's way of being. Now, this is incredibly important for us to truly understand. I'll give you some examples of this. You know, maybe some of us have heard stories of maybe a family member or a neighbor, whoever it may be, a loved one has died. And there's stories that, you know, maybe a few days after the funeral or a week after the funeral, that deceased loved one appeared to the person maybe in a dream, maybe as a spirit. You know, people truly believe in these things. And the message is usually the same. The deceased person appears in the dream and they say to the person, everything is okay, everything will be fine, or I'm okay. And so, that person can do that. That deceased person can enter into our dreams. Why? Because they're operating and they're living in another dimension, the dimension of God's way of being. I'll give you another great example of this. Mary and her apparitions. Mary has appeared to the children in Magigori. She appeared to St. Bernadette at Fatima. She appeared to Juan Diego in Mexico. She's done it in different centuries. How can she do that? Well, because she doesn't live in our dimension in which we are governed by time and space. Instead, Mary lives now in the dimension of God's way of being. That's why she can appear to so many different people at different times of the centuries and in different places of the world because now she experiences, you know, the ascension herself. See, that's something that we truly have to recognize and understand. And better yet, it opens us up to now we, 
we have the bright promise of a way of being that transcends time and space. When we die, we'll be raised up to heaven, just like Jesus in his ascension. And therefore, we are going to live in a dimension of God's way of being. The powers of the Holy Spirit will come upon us. You know, Paul was once asked in 1 Corinthians, you know, what is the resurrection like? Well, Paul said immediately we receive a spiritual or a heavenly body that transcends time and space. Now, another thing that we have to recognize about this feast, that essentially the Feast of the Ascension opens up a deep desire for worshiping God. Now, you see this in the Gospel. Notice what it says. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, raised his hands and blessed them. As he blessed them, he departed from them and was taken up into heaven. The apostles did him homage. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually found in the temple, praising and worshiping God. Now, that's something that's powerful. The ascension of Jesus Christ awakens in us a deep desire to worship, just like it did for the apostles. After the ascension, the apostles were found in the temple, night and day, praising and worshiping God. That's why the Mass. Every time we gather for Mass, essentially heaven and earth unite in the most powerful way. That's why it's so important for us to continually worship and praise God on a regular basis. Think of it, at the very beginning of our Mass, you know, we bless ourselves, don't we? Well, we do that because we are situating ourselves in proximity to the presence of God in our midst. We're straining, looking up to one day participate in the dimension of God's way of being. You know, how often you know, do we invoke you know, the presence of the angels and the saints among us? great example of this is right before the Holy Holy in the preface of the Eucharistic prayer. The priest will say at the very end, we blend our voices with all the saints and the angels as we pray. And then we launch right into the Holy Holy. Well, we truly believe that the saints and the angels are around us at Mass. Why? Because the saints and the angels are always around God, always giving him fitting praise and worship, just like the apostles did in the Gospel. So we recognize their presence. Look at the Eucharist. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Well, that's what we do every time we gather for Mass. We take in Jesus' body and blood. We eat what Thomas Aquinas says, the panis angelicus, the bread of the angels. You know, anticipation of one day, you know, celebrating the Mass around God himself with all the saints and the angels. Throughout the entire Mass, our prayers, our music, our gestures are constantly orientating ourselves to look beyond this world that we live in now and recognize the world that is to come, the world of heaven. Throughout the entire Mass, you could say we're straining to catch a glimpse of the goal, which is heaven. And one day to be around all the saints and the angels celebrating Mass with God, Jesus Christ himself. 
And so the Feast of the Ascension awakens in us this liturgical desire. Now, therein lies the paradox. You know, if we are trying to to look for heaven, anticipate it, always straining to see or catch a glimpse of the goal, does that mean we should not care about this world? No, not at all. Yes, we should always be straining, you know, towards heaven, always, you know, aligning or orientating ourselves, our words and our conduct towards heaven. But at the same time, it compels us to go out into this world and make a difference, a positive difference. I'll give you some great examples. Mother Teresa, John Paul II, two of probably the greatest people in the 20th century that transformed the world. Why did they do that or how? Precisely because they were fixated on heaven. Precisely because they worshiped and prayed always, just like the apostles did. Therefore, they were motivated to change not only their lives, but the lives of all of us in this world, to make the world a better place. You know, I've said that before. You know, every time we come to Mass, we catch a glimpse of the goal, ever so briefly, ever so slightly. And when we do that, we're compelled to go out into the world and change it for the better. A great analogy is like a runner running a marathon. You know, marathon is 26 miles. Maybe after 24 miles, he can't take it anymore. His body is burning. His legs are fried. He can't do it anymore. He feels like giving up. But then he sees the finish line. And then he musters enough strength and courage to cross the finish line and finish the race. Well, I think that's what we do every time we gather for Mass. We catch a glimpse of the goal, the finish line. Therefore, we're naturally compelled to worship God always. And through that proper worship of God, we go out into this world and we make it a better place. We're compelled to do so because of our worship. And so... The Feast of the Ascension is really the great culmination of Jesus' mission. Jesus ascends back into heaven, ascends into a dimension of God's way of being. But then what he does, he begins the passing. You could say the passing of the torch to the apostles. All the good work that Jesus did, all the good work that Jesus created in his teachings, creating the church itself in the form of the apostles, that is going to continue. As Jesus tells the apostles at the end to go back into Jerusalem and pray, pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to celebrate next week at Pentecost, which is the birthday of our church. At Pentecost, our church springs into being. And so it's important for us to follow the example of the apostles. You know, as we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension, you know, it should awaken in us a deep liturgical desire to worship God. And so we come to Mass every week. And in doing so, now we're compelled to go out into the world and change it for the better, just like Mother Therese and John Paul II did. That's why at the very end of Mass, the priest will always say, go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, we do just that. Why? Because we're motivated. We caught a glimpse of the goal. And now we have properly worshipped and praised God at Mass. And now we're compelled to go out and make the world a better place. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.